Kumo played with staffers. And I like eating super spicy party-sized Doritos, which is amazing. So New York Governor Andrew Cuomo attempted to explain his past interactions with staffers as the embattled Democrat is facing multiple accusations of certain types of harassment. Questions have been raised about some of my past interactions with people in the office. Cuomo began in a press conference or press release on Sunday. And I never intended to offend anyone or cause any harm. I spend most of my life at work, and colleagues are often also personal friends. Now, you say that, right? But would you do those things to personal friends? I don't know, right? So at work, sometimes I think I am being playful and make jokes that I think are funny. I do, on occasion, tease people in what I think is a good-natured way, the governor explained. I do it in public and in private. You have seen me do it at briefings hundreds of times. I have teased people about their personal lives, their relationships, about getting married or not getting married. I mean no offense and only attempt to add some levity and banter to what is a very serious business. Kumo continued, I now understand that my interactions may have been insensitive or too personal and that some of my comments, given my position, made others feel in ways I never intended. I acknowledge some of the things that I have said have been misinterpreted as an unwanted flirtation. To the extent anyone felt that way, I am truly sorry about that. The governor did, however, offer an explicit denial that he touched anybody, and never propositioned anybody, which directly contradicts the claims made by his former aide, Lindsay Boylan, B-O-Y-L-A-N, I don't know how you actually pronounce it, but it's like Boylan, I think, who alleged he touched her and forcibly kissed her on the lips. I never intended to make anyone feel uncomfortable, but these are allegations that New Yorkers deserve answers to, Como stated. That's why I have asked for an outside independent review that looks at these allegations. Separately, my office has heard anecdotally that some people have reached out to Miss Charlotte Bennett to express displeasure about her coming forward. My message to anyone doing that is you have misjudged what matters to me and my administration and you should stop now, period. And, you know, before we continue, right, now, I haven't read much into this specific potential harassment, this whole situation, so I'm not going to, you know, say one way or the other, right? But obviously, this isn't good, right? No matter which side you are on, this doesn't look good, doesn't sound good. And to make it like a little bit light of a situation, right, it almost sounds like a bad Fifty Shades of Grey situation. <laughs> I know it's like it's, you shouldn't like joke around this stuff, but at the same time, this is going to get really interesting. I believe there's actually another person who recently just came out about, an, you know, with an accusation against him as well. So there's a very strong possibility that he's going to be dealing with a lot of stuff pretty soon 
And the thing is, if he is found guilty, and of course, before we continue this whole story, if he is found guilty, I personally would not be too surprised about it. Mainly because if you've seen him like act or like basically talk or like interact with people in all of his press briefings and all that stuff, right? Press releases, he kind of seems like a mob boss, right? Or like a like one of like the major drug lords in like a GTA 5 kind of like situation. And the only problem with that is that we're in 2021 now. And the things that you could have gotten away with back when he was, you know, like in his 20s, you can't get away with that stuff nowadays. So I have a feeling there's going to be a lot more things coming out over the next few months, right? Because you see, you saw this with the whole Me Too stuff, you know, with Harvey Weinstein, where as soon as one basically broke the wall or like, you know, basically, you know, started falling down or opened up. What's a good term for it? Basically opened up the bottle, then became basically a massive like waterfall or, you know, tsunami might be another way to put it, where it's just like almost like a nonstop flowing of like information. So I would not be surprised if there ends up becoming like five, ten accusations from different women. I wouldn't even be surprised if there's a guy that comes out, right? Because Kumo basically is... He looks like a mob boss, and mob bosses probably don't really care one way or another, right? But I'm just saying, it's going to be getting pretty interesting over the next few months. And if anyone like cares about this, you should pay attention to it, because it's going to be very interesting to see what happens, because this guy has a lot of power, right? He has a lot of power, he has a lot of money, and he likes to abuse the amount of money and power he has. And that's something to pay attention to because it's going to be interesting to see if he's going to get a slap on the wrist or he's just going to basically deal basically at the same like level as Harvey Weinstein because you know Harvey Weinstein was super wealthy, super powerful, but still ended up falling down. So is Kuma going to be dealing with the exact same stuff or not, right? And again, you know, I'm not saying that he did something or not. I'm just saying it's going to be very interesting to see someone in his position specifically what's going to happen because this is going to get really nuts. So neither Boylan nor Bennett responded to Fox News request for comment. And obviously this is a story gotten from Fox News. So Boylan, the former Deputy Secretary for Economic Development and a special advisor to Kumo, accused the governor in a damning essay published on Wednesday of going out of his way to touch me on my lower back, arms, and legs, forcibly kissing her on the lips during a one-on-one briefing and suggesting that they play strip poker during a plane ride. Takuma's office denied Boylan's harassment claims, calling them simply false, and insisting the strip poker comment did not happen. Meanwhile, Bennett, who is described in a bombshell report from the New York Times as an executive assistant and health policy advisor in the Kumo administration until she left in November, alleged that Kumo asked her questions about her, you know, interesting, you know, love life, right? Whether she was monogamous in her relationships and if she had ever had love with older women. Well, men. I mean, men. I understand that the governor wanted to sleep with me, 
and felt horribly uncomfortable and scared. Bennett told the Times, and was wondering how I was going to get out of it, and assumed it was the end of my job. In a press release on Saturday, Kumon called Bennett a hardworking and valued member of our team during COVID, who has every right to speak out. And I agree, right? No matter who it is, right, girl, guy, trans, whatever, you have the ability to speak out, right? And you should speak out if something did happen to you. The only problem that I've seen is that there's been times where people who spoke out but lied about it, and that led to a lot of issues, and that leads to a lot of issues to future women, men, all that kind of stuff who also speak out. And that actually did happen. Like stuff actually did happen to them. So you always got to be careful with this stuff because, like, you know, it's going to be interesting to see again what happens from this. So when she came to me and opened up about being a assault survivor and how it shaped her in her ongoing efforts to create an organization that empowered her voice to help other survivors, I tried to be supportive and helpful. Kuma said in a statement. Which was issued to the Times. Miss Bennett's initial impression was right. I was trying to be a mentor to her. I never made advances toward Miss Bennett, nor did I ever intend to act in any way that was inappropriate. The last thing I would ever have wanted was to make her feel any of the things that are being reported. And feel free to become a member support in this description. Right? Maybe we'll put in some more.、Uh, Saucy content on there, where we have like basically completely unfiltered discussions as topics. Like, here's the thing, right? The reason why I'm like skipping over like saying certain things is because a lot of platforms, if they hear that, because everything is by like algorithm, right? If they hear it, they're basically gonna smack the content down like super hard. That's why I'm like kind of、like、tiptoeing the line just to be careful on the safe side. Right, because I mean, if this stuff gets monetized and ends up starting to make a lot of money, I don't want like past content to end up being completely like basically slapping the whole channel down. Right, so it's going to be pretty annoying. And check out fortinbox.com to master your money for personal finance lessons, personal finance courses. Contact us with your personal finance question or story, and we'll probably turn it into an episode in the future because it could. Help people learn from other people's personal experiences, and a massive tax may be coming pretty soon. So the 100 richest Americans would hand over more than 78 billion dollars of their personal fortunes under a wealth tax proposed Monday by Democratic Senator Elizabeth Warren, also a fake Native American, and other progressive lawmakers. So, dubbed the Ultra Millionaire Tax Act, the bill would require households with a net worth of more than fifty million dollars to pay a two percent tax on their wealth annually, with an additional one percent surtax for fortunes exceeding one billion dollars. Warren's proposal is unlikely to go anywhere in a narrowly divided Congress. Now, before we continue this story, right? Feel free to give your thoughts on this whole tax situation. But the problem that I always see. With the government trying to tax, whether it be wealthy people or just normal people in general, is that just increasing taxes literally doesn't mean anything, right? Because the way that I view taxes and how you could basically solve the problem of 
basically the whole tax system, is a very simple way of viewing it, right? For example, let's just say that you get taxed $100. Let's just use that as an example, right? Well, if they treated, if the government, right, treated the tax like your grocery bill, right, where every single item that they spend money on is itemized so you could actually see with your own eyes what the hell they're actually spending the money on that could solve so many problems with the tax system because then if they also add an option as to where would you like to spend more money within this whole tax system right so let's say that you know again you get taxed one hundred dollars let's just say you know like twenty five dollars to the military, $25 to education, $25 to healthcare, and $25 to who knows what, for like foreign aid. Let's just say that, right? And so you see itemized, okay, this is where each dollar of your money is actually going, right? But if they add an option saying like, hey, why don't we, like if you want, if you care more about like a specific category, you have the option to allocate more of your taxes to go to there instead of the other categories, right? You'll still be taxed the $100, but you could choose where your taxes tend to go, right? So instead of $25, maybe it is $30 or $40 in a specific category. And that could solve so many problems because then people will be actually thinking, oh, my taxes are actually doing something. Because again, if you were to take California as an example, right they keep increasing the taxes over there they're doing they're trying to do a wealth tax and basically try to capture taxes and force people who are leaving to pay a tax for the past well, for the next 10 years because they're leaving right because they're trying to like just keep stealing their money right if they actually showed where the taxes are going which by the way there's massive amounts of money flowing through California from taxes because the billionaires, well, there's so many billionaires that used to live there, right? Massive millionaires live there. And so the amount of taxes that they were collecting in that state was disgusting. And yet they have one of the highest homeless problems ever. So it's like if they were to simply just itemize where the money was actually going, it would just be so helpful, right? That's the reason why I see like, okay, you're going to try to tax the super wealthy, you're going to tax people with $50 million net worth? Okay, that doesn't do anything. That doesn't solve anything, right? So that's the problem that I see with the taxes because you could just solve the issue by just being super transparent where the money's actually going. So Jeff Bezos, the world's richest person, would face an extra tax charge of at least $5.4 billion in 2021 if the bill became law while Elon Musk would pay $5.2 billion, according to a Bloomberg analysis, and the measure would cost Bill Gates an additional $4 billion, and Mark Zuckerberg would have to fork over $2.9 billion to cover the tax. So in 2020, the richest 100 Americans added $598 billion to their wealth, according to the Bloomberg Billionaires Index. The tax would capture 13% of that increase. The bill includes an anti-avoidance provisions such as more stringent reporting requirements and a 40% exit tax for wealthy Americans who renounce their citizenship, right? Like, just think about that. Think about how nuts that is. Oh, 
you want to leave the country, guess what? We're going to tax you 40% of your total net worth. How insane is that? Like They don't even want you to escape. While President Joe Biden has proposed higher taxes on corporations and the rich, he and some Democrats in Congress don't support a wealth tax. Opponents of the idea argue it would be difficult to administer and ultimately would be held unconstitutional by a Supreme Court dominated by conservative justices. So about 100,000 families and roughly 1,000 billionaires would end up paying the proposed tax, according to an analysis by University of California, at Berkeley economist Emmanuel Saez and Gabriel Zuckman. They estimate it would raise about $3 trillion over a decade. But again, where is this $3 trillion actually going to go to? What is it actually going to pay for? Because if all this money ends up going to fund overseas wars, what's the point, right? If a lot of this money is going to go into the pockets of basically the super elite political parties, right, or political individuals, what's the point, right? So that's the thing I don't like. It's like, okay, you can get taxed, but why? Like, why are you getting taxed? Why are you paying the taxes? Where is it going? Feel free to become a member, support in the description of this episode. We focus on money-related news content. You can check out 40inbox.com to master your money. There's personal finance lessons, personal finance courses. You can contact us with your personal finance question or story, and we'll probably turn it into an episode as well to help teach other people as well. But again, like just think about it, right? They don't even want people to escape the country, right? Like this is in Australia, you know, where Australia was originally a prison, <laughs> like a, the whole thing was a prison, right? The United States is not a prison, right? It's just a country. So I don't understand why they would even propose something like this, because again, it, it just doesn't even make sense. And what's funny, right? A lot of these politicians. They're pretty darn close to that level where they would also have to pretty much pay that as well unless they were to lie on their tax returns or basically lie on their reported income because a lot of these politicians are making disgusting amounts of money basically in very underhanded means and yet they want to tax people who actually worked or created a business to get their money it's just it's super interesting when you really think about it it's like okay you want to tax people who actually produce something into the world but you guys don't necessarily want to pay any money right also think about it too i don't think any politician at least well-known politicians actually got a pay cut during 2020 so just keep that in mind right like, that's a pretty serious issue, and no one's really talking about it. And yet they want to tax business owners. They want to tax people who are super wealthy, maybe from investments, right? I mean, think about this, too. They might also be wanting to tax people like the uh, deep effing value, right? Because perhaps I think he was actually pretty close to the $50 million profit mark, profit, you know, uh, point i think at the most maybe 22 million but i mean still let's just say that he might have actually made 50 million dollars right so is they want to tax him too so 
Bitcoin becomes the currency of choice. Do you think this is possible? And do you think this is actually even a good idea? So Bitcoin could one day become the currency of choice for international trade, Citi said in a research note Monday. The cryptocurrency is at the tipping point of mainstream acceptance or a speculative implosion, the bank added. Bitcoin's wild ascent over the last few months has forced big Wall Street players to reevaluate re the cryptocurrency. Feel free to become a member, support in the description, all that kind of stuff. Check out 40inbox.com to mess your money. But what do you think of Bitcoin potentially becoming basically the world's currency? Democrats abandon the $15 minimum wage. So senior Democrats are abandoning a backup plan to increase the minimum wage through a corporate tax penalty after encountering numerous practical and political challenges in drafting the proposal over the weekend, according to two people familiar with the internal deliberations. And on Thursday, the Senate parliamentarian said that the $15 an hour minimum wage included in President Biden's $1.9 trillion stimulus plan was inadmissible under the rules Democrats are using to pass the bill through the Senate. After that decision, Senate Finance Chair Ron Wyden and Senate Budget Chair Bernie Sanders said they would instead seek to add tax penalties on large corporations that fail to pay $15 an hour, an idea viewed as less likely to be struck down by the parliamentarian and still hopeful to some minimum wage workers. But now senior Democrats, including Wyden and Sanders, are walking away from that backup effort, according to two people who spoke on the condition of anonymity to share internal discussions. And you can check out more, become a member, support in description, and check out 14bucks.com. Now, the thing that you got to understand, right, with the uh, minimum wage stuff, you have to really think about it. Who is the most likely to benefit from a minimum wage increase to $15, right? It's not going to be actually the people that are working at any of these companies, right? Because you got to think about it like this, right? Who can actually afford to pay the $15 minimum wage? Small businesses would not be able to do that. Restaurants pretty much would not be able to do that. So that would actually close a lot of restaurants, right? Now, also, super massive companies would be like, I want to just use an example. Amazon would be happy to pay something like that, right? Because they are increasing their automation at a crazy scale. So the people that they end up hiring are going to be less and less compared to everyone else. And they're going to end up saving more money if the minimum wage is supposed to be increased. Although Amazon is basically around that price point anyways. But again, their automation is just going to keep on increasing, keep on increasing to the point where they're pretty much not really going to need employees too much, right? Walmart. They're not really going to need too many employees if they continue to automate. McDonald's is starting to automate almost everything, right? Just as an example. So this is going to end up affecting workers that, you know, really shouldn't be like working those jobs as like a full-time living, right? Because a lot of these minimum wage jobs are meant to really be a placeholder until you get your skills to a point where you could end up making more money, right? Because look, 
$15 an hour really isn't that much money when you look at the grand scale of the amount of money that's being transferred on a day-to-day basis within the world, right? Like once you start to realize just how much money is in existence and how much people are making, you start to realize $15 is literally nothing, right? And in a lot of cases, $20 is nothing. $100 is nothing. Like when you start to really put that into perspective, it's like, I need to get my skills to the point where I can make as much money as possible and not care what anything happens or what's going on in the whole political space. Because look, if you are basically able to bring in 100k plus per year, you're not going to care about minimum wage. You're not going to care about all these different rules or taxes or all that kind of stuff, right? Because you can pretty much fund whatever lifestyle you want. Right, So just keep that in mind. You need to get your skills to the point where you don't have to care about a minimum wage because you should not be worried about a minimum wage. Right, like If you have to rely on a minimum wage for the rest of your life, you have bigger issues. Like There's more serious issues in your life. The FTC is going hard on e-cigs. So the FTC is issuing orders to five e-cigarette companies, including Juul and RJ Reynolds, for information on 2019 to 2020 sales, advertising, and promotional data. The FTC has been investigating the e-cigarette industry's marketing practices, which, by the way, I believe even Juul, like the owner of Juul or the CEO of Juul, basically admitted that what they were doing is pretty sketchy in how they were selling their products. So the requested information includes annual sales data and promotions such as giveaways, social media, and college campus programs, and influencer and affiliate programs. And feel free to become a member and check out 14box.com to master money. But either way, this is going to get interesting because, I mean, this is basically going to be the whole tobacco industry again as well. Tonal is becoming massive. Now, if you don't know what Tonal is, it's basically that home fitness gym thing that you've probably seen on social media. So Nordstrom has struck a deal with Tonal, a company that sells a wall-mounted workout station for $2,995. Now, a person who actually did like a kind of like review video of this specific product, I believe is Shelby Church. And I believe she did a very well done video about this. Now, the interesting thing about this specific company with this specific, you know, product is one, it is a high ticket product, right? So for example, let's just take, you know, $3,000, we'll just round it up, right? If they sell 1,000 units of that, that's $3 million, right? So it, you can see how quick they could end up raking in the amount of money to really just pretty much push this nonstop, which by the way, if you're on social media at all, right? And if you've seen any fitness content, you're going to probably get smacked around with an ad from Tonal, right? And there's going to be a lot of influencers that do something with Tonal. So this thing is going to get pretty massive very quickly because of the price of the product, which allows them to run ads like crazy. So the department store retailer is bringing 40 mini tonal shops into its stores beginning this month to showcase tonal products and stir up interest around the brand. 
and the tie-up comes as Nordstrom is plotting growth for its active business and is dedicating more space in the stores for athletic apparel and other fitness accessories. Now, again, the reason why I wanted to bring this up, just like comment on it a little bit, is because Tonal is going to get massive, right? Like that company is going to get massive because, again, their social media presence is going insane, right? There's so many people making videos about it, so many people reviewing it. The ads are basically everywhere, right? It's just going to get super insane with that, and I would not be surprised if it becomes like a multi-billion dollar company very quickly. I would not be surprised if it gets to like a crazy valuation very quickly because the growth rate is going to be insane. But just that's just my thoughts. Like, It's going to be very interesting to see how fast that company actually grows.